You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends. Welcome to the 12th chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Annie. I'm Sydney. And I'm Nia. When readers are asked what their favorite book is many times, the answer is a series instead of a standalone title. Series give the opportunity for the reader to become more immersed and more invested in the world because of the extended length of time spent with the book. The term series is loosely defined, but easily recognized by readers. The most beloved series have readers pre-ordering the next installment or attending an unboxing party. One of the reasons many readers love series is because they allow readers to fall into worlds they love over and over again with new plots, twists, characters, and story arcs that expand the literary world and allow the reader to find their place within those worlds that they love. Today, we're going to share some of our favorite worlds to fall into. Sydney, share with us what you have enjoyed reading. I would love to. The first series I picked is the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss. The first book came out in 2012. There are eight books in this series, which is nothing to sneeze at. One of those books (laughs) is, thank you. I got to keep it lively. One of the books is actually a series of novellas that have been compiled into a book. So I'm taking all of all four novellas because they were published together in one book. I'm treating it as it's as a book by itself instead of four separate novellas. So it's like an anthology. Yes, but they're okay. they're prequel novellas. And it's okay. just honestly, if you read it as a book, it makes more sense than trying to treat it as four separate standalone stories. It really just felt like a four chapter story. Okay. So then that first group is one of the eight books. Yes. Okay. It's considered the prequel that starts everything off. And there is great argument on the internets and the interwebs <laughs> as to whether or not you should start with the prequel novellas or start the way that it was published. The age old question. Mm-hmm. It is. And I can see the value of both. But honestly, I feel like the book make more sense in the publication order than the chronological order and so when you read the novellas if you try to read them first people are like well then you understand what's happening in the first book and I'm like yeah but there's also a lot that you don't understand because it's kind of explained out in books that have already been published that you're kind of expected to know it by the time you get to the prequel so I don't know there's a great argument do it whichever way pleases you best I don't care okay do you know how they're listed on her website Ooh, that is a good question because that people can argue all they want on the internet but there's always one person that really knows I would think if they're you know not to say you can't go against how they're suggested on there too but I know that comes up with one of the authors I'm going to talk about is what order do you read his stuff in interesting and that's great yeah okay so she does have the prequel first okay all right but as I'm looking at it the books all have new covers and quite frankly I like the old covers better so I'm glad I got the original publications that's the other age-old question which covers do I read which print do I save which print which edition (laughs) yeah what the worst is is when you start with one like you get first publication Mm -hmm. of something and then three books in the cover changes and you're like it doesn't match One of the problems with series is that sometimes the artwork changes in the middle. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. But the story's the same. (laughs) The words inside of the covers are the same. So we keep going. But I judge books by covers. We know this. (laughs) Yes. That's that's how they're meant to be judged, honestly. I mean, that's that's what draws advertising and that's why we buy them. Yes. Okay. I love this series because it's cleverly written. It's unique. It still involves Faelor that we're familiar with, like the idea of Queen Mab, without feeling trite 
and overdone. So I find it really fun and refreshing. But the first story begins with the crown prince Dorian rescuing a young woman from the salt mines where she's already done a significant amount of time of hard labor there. But this 18-year-old, Selena Sarduthian, has been picked for a reason. It's not just because she's a pretty face. She's an assassin. Bum, bum, bum. An assassin. An assassin. And she's arguably the best in the kingdom. She thinks she is. And as you start reading her fight scenes, like, you're like, yeah, she probably is. <laughs> but she's brought before the crown prince at the very beginning of the book. And he offers her conditional freedom. She can earn her freedom if she acts as his champion in a competition that's coming up to find a new royal assassin. So it feels like it's just going to be a standalone book and then it explodes into nothing is what it seems and everything has twists and turns and new faces and all of this other stuff is happening. And eight books later, you're like, but are we really done? Like, do we have to be done? Like, maybe there's one more story. Like, maybe we should just get another one. But I love how chock full of twists and turns this series is you're likely not going to anticipate them because there's not a lot of hints that lead up to the fact that it could be something coming, which okay. I like. And could you read the first? Could any of these be standalones? The first book could be a standalone for sure. Okay. But the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, and eight. Well, eight I mean, because it ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can because it ends. You can. I wouldn't. Okay. Can you Just go because, out of order? I wouldn't. Okay. Because everything builds in a, a very specific chronological timeline leading up to a war that is mm. the last two books of the series. Okay, got it. So for those listeners that we have, those friends that need the heads up, this book does get a bit spicy in places starting in book two. <laughs> so what age would you recommend these books for? Because I feel like it's been young adult. This series started out being categorized as young adult. It's now mm -hmm. just put in fantasy. Like it's okay. just put in the adult section. If I had a 16 year old that I felt could handle it, I'd feel good about giving okay. a 16 year old this book, honestly. So it's, this would it's be really like to the reader. True young adult, like 20, 21, 20, like young adult Truly. college. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not as spicy as the author's other series, Court of Thorn and Roses, mm -hmm. where it's like nearly erotica. This All one right. just has a couple spicy scenes, but I mean, who doesn't love a little bit of spice every now and again? It's true. It's very true. <laughs> I love the series. I recommend it to basically everyone I meet. It's phenomenally written. It's fun. The characters are enjoyable and unique. It's just a fun series. So I'm guessing that this is like a European medieval world-ish. It is high fantasy. Okay. So none of the lands are lands like that we have. Right. If you if you were to look at it, it would feel very European medieval ish, okay. but not. But the hierarchy and things kind of follow what we would expect of. Yeah. Okay. Thank it's you. a good. It's a good assumption. Yeah. Okay. Cool. This is, I think, the only time I've ever picked a bunch of high fantasy books. I don't usually <laughs> like go straight high fantasy, but the only other series I picked is the Sword of Truth series by Terry Goodkind. The first book came out in 1994. So it's okay. it's back a ways. It is, but, it is. But this series has 22 books Whoa. in it. If you count, and they're not novellas. little. They Whoa, are not big books. books. They You've are heard big of this books. series, Nia? I have read the first one in this series. The the it's a very big The Wizard's book. First Rule. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the series has 22 books. Wow. And the last one came out in June of 2020. So this is wow. 
this is a story that really has, has spanned decades so same author for all 22 books right terry goodkind okay. wrote all of them okay it starts to kind of feel like it's branching off where there are categories where you could have like okay you know richard and Kaylin are the main characters in this set of series and and these four books follow that you know nikki okay. and these other books follow, you know, like there are definitely expansions in the world. If you want to be super purist, there's like 18 books in the original set before the expansion. But That's kind of I'm cool not. though. That's kind of cool because you can kind of choose the characters that you want to follow and then stop there. Exactly. And then as your life changes, as you grow, you can go to the other characters and remain yeah. in that world that you like. It's kind of cool. Annie, you would like, not that you love high fantasy, but. <laughs> I, I don't. But that's you okay. That's but okay. you would like the fact that each of these books, while there is an overarching plot that carries through all of it, and there's mm-hmm. very much a big bad that takes multiple books to get through, each of these books has a conclusion enough that you can treat it as a standalone. Oh, okay. Except like for that. the last three, which are considered a trilogy. And the last three books are, are supposed to be read where it has very specific continuations and, and goes through that that way. Have you read all 22 of them? No, Nia, I'm working my way through it. I'm I, I finished it. No. I stopped at book 14. But hey, that's yeah. nothing to that's also nothing that, to sneeze that's at. Pretty great. Yeah. It's not no, I stopped after book one. I finished book one. I was like, I know there's some some bigger plot points here that weren't resolved, but the main story arc was resolved enough for me. And I'm like, you know, I am st- I'm I'm good enough with this. This is close enough <laughs> to a happy ending. <laughs> I'm golden. So I, while I have not finished the full series, I picked it as my favorite series because it's one of those series that I love to fall into and and feel like I'm a part of. It has wizards and people with magic that isn't typical magic and just the magic system and everything that involves in it is just unique and clever and creative. And there's a bunch of humans. So you could find yourself feeling like you were part of that, even if you didn't have magic. The main books follow the protagonist, Richard Cipher. Kaylin M. Nell and Zedekus Zul Zorander. Awesome. I, That's a name. It right? is a name, which is why I had to say the whole Will you say name. that again? Zedekus Zul Zorander. Wow. That's awesome. If I ever have a dog. Gonna name it Zedekus. Gonna name it Zedekus. Could you imagine hearing that in the dog park? Zedekus. <laughs> Zedekus Zul Zorander, wizard of the first order. Come here this instant. <laughs> that is not your ball. Put it down. Well, now I have to do that. now you need a dog i know now i need a dog anyway those three are setting out on a quest to defeat oppressors who seek to control the world and want to unleash evil upon the world of the living you know like you do yep this world is cool because it's divided into three worlds you have the old world and the new world and the new world is the the three parts where it has three sections where you have westland doesn't have magic you have the midlands which is in the middle kind of separating everything else and then you have dahara in the east which is trying to take over the world. So because Wesson doesn't have magic, Zed takes Richard there as an infant to keep him safe. And it isn't until Kaylin comes through the magical barrier 20 years later looking for Zed and whoever is the seeker that Richard learns the truth of his birth and who he really is. This is not a spoiler. This happens in the first three chapters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I feel like they made a TV series out of this too. Oh, they did. I'm getting to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because they totally did. In In 2008, ABC produced a TV series based on the books and it only lasted two seasons 
because it strayed so far from the world that Terry Goodkind created and the books that the fans knew and loved that the ratings killed the show. Really? And if you go back and watch them now, it has the exact same feel as if you were watching Xena or Hercules from the 90s. Oh, it, which it isn't feels, a bad thing. It, it's not a bad thing. It's very nostalgic for us because uh, we, okay. we grew up on it. But for people that, you know, it's 2008 and it feels like it was made in the 90s. That's not we good. Can't do that. It's not good, which is why it, not it crashed and burned. They tried to make it kind of punchy and catchy and they mm. strayed from the books to try to create these weird plot lines and happenstances that would keep uh. people on their toes and... And it bombed because, bad. because they strayed. Yeah. So I feel like if ABC tried to do it again and actually did it justice, or if HBO took it over and tried to do it justice, I think that they would have a hit that would rival Game of Thrones. Genuinely. Do you there's think enough there's plot there? Oh, there's yeah. tons of plot. And do you think the audience is still there? I think there is. I So I have a coworker who I've known for, I think, four years at this point. And he found out recently that... I knew and loved the series and he got so excited, like as excited as I get when I make new friends and I find out that they know (laughs) and have seen and watched and enjoyed the show Firefly. Like I'm like, oh, my people, right? Like that's how excited he got. Okay. And he looks at me and he goes, which book is your favorite? There's only one right answer. Choose wisely. (laughs) And he was not kidding. He was very, very serious. And I was like, it's Faith of the Fallen which is, I think, book seven. And he goes, oh, good. That was the right answer. So luckily we're still friends. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Because apparently there was only one right answer for which book is my favorite, but he has read all 22. Oh, wow. And has read them a few times. So I was very happy that I could still reference things that had happened and, you know, stuff that was going on and not mistaken the TV show for the book. (laughs) Not that it's hard. That TV yeah, show it doesn't sound weird like it's fast. hard. Yeah. But the casting was the casting was good. See, that's what makes it even harder when you have an amazing cast and you stray too far from the books. And I have a whole rant about that for a few others. But oh, we'll get um, there. Yeah, they did that with the Dresden series. Okay, they did a phenomenal cast for that one, and then went really weird, really fast, and it lasted one like. I don't even think it was a full season and it was so disappointing because you can't stray. Some of it was justifiable. Like there's this talking skull in the books. I can see why they picked an actor to play that. Yeah. That that adaptation worked brilliantly because they picked someone who was just absolutely Bob, but they went weird. And I was just like, no, no, you lost the plot. Well, the reason these, the reason that these series and books are picked up for movies and TV shows is because they're written so well and so immersive as they and are. They do not need to be changed. They don't yep. need changing. They don't. They were mm. good That's the why way they're they our were. favorite series is because exactly. they don't need to be changed. And then people come in and say, oh, but I can make that better. No, you can't. No, you can't. I love that you okay. think that you can. That's great confidence. I'm really proud of you for having such great confidence. However, let's tone it down 72 yes. notches. Yes. You're going to isolate the fan base. Yeah. You isolate the fan base. And you ruin everything. Well, I think that's why Game of Thrones did so well. Yeah. Is because that's another series that people... Until, really until they ran out of book material... Mm-hmm. it stayed true to book yeah that was my so. understanding i never watched it i'm not going to it's fine you're not high fantasy we get no. it it's fine you don't have to be I, yeah i stopped part way through i i didn't i stopped at one of the weddings i won't say which one but it was yeah does it rhyme with the color schmed no it does not i watched that one <laughs> it was the other one. Oh. I, I stopped after Joffrey's wedding. Oh, I didn't like. Well, that no, wedding. you said it. You said you weren't going to, and now you. I did. know it's I did. it's a it's yeah. No, I can understand. 
I get it. I was like, I'm good. That that was that satisfied what I needed to see. I was good. <laughs> yeah. I was a, there's some dark stuff in those books. There's a lot of dark stuff in a lot of series. It's very true. So on that note, yep. Annie, tell me about your favorite series. <laughs> if this isn't clear to you now, Annie does not read high fantasy. <laughs> really? I wouldn't what? In, in case you were wondering and, and missed Since that when? that part of season one and and summer. Uh, I do not read high fantasy. So it was a little hard for me to choose my series. But like I said, in the introduction, the term series is loosely defined. So once I broadened my my scope and understanding of what a series is, it became much easier for me to identify what I enjoy. The first one that I chose is a graphic novel series, arguably a comic book. There's a comic book in the graphic novel. So kind of both. And it's kind of titled. Yeah, it's it's really cute. It's kind of inception It is a little inception It's called Squish, and it's by Jennifer L. Holm and Matthew Holm. There are eight books in the series. The first book, titled Super Amoeba, was published in 2011. And then the last book, Pod vs. Pod, was published in 2016. Okay, so at this point, it feels <laughs> like a microbiology lesson. Yes. Is that is that like an actual, or is it is it a play on words, or is is it oh, no. microbiology? No. It's Squish the Super Amoeba. This is a series for upper elementary school, like third, fourth graders, and it introduces them to science. How fun. Nice. I started my son reading these in third grade. He needed a lot of help because the words like amoeba is not, it's not a third grade word, but I started him on these books because there was soccer involved and he's really into soccer. He didn't want to read. And so I thought graphic novels would be good for him. But at the time, and I've since revised my thinking, I did not think graphic novels were legitimate. Again, I've changed. I've changed. Uh, So I chose these books thinking that he would get a little bit of extra things from it because it was science also. Cool. Mm -hmm. So in the book, so Squish is the main character and he is an amoeba in elementary school. He lives with his mom and his dad, and he has two friends named Pod and Peggy. Pod is also an amoeba, but he's a different shape because amoebas come in different shapes. Squish is a circly blob, and Pod has tendrils. Ooh. It's the best way to explain it. And then Peggy is a planaria. Okay. Now- I'm, yeah. I'm sure that all of our listeners are closeted microbiologists. Yeah. But what is a planaria? I don't remember. Um, okay. But she is a circle. She's an oval with smaller tendrils coming out of her, kind of like hairs. She has like little hairs coming out of her body. Oh, it's such a weird shape. Yeah. All of these are super weird shapes. It looks like, it looks like a little worm with eyes in the front. Yeah. So Peggy is very okay. excited about life. She super loves life. And she always just goes around like the cheerleader of the group. And it's just super annoying and everyone loves her. And Pod. <laughs> super annoying and yeah. everyone loves but her. But everyone loves her because they're eight. And then Pod is a germaphobe. And so he's always making them late to stuff. And Squish is just trying to follow the rules and be the best little amoeba that he can be. Best little Squish he can. Uh, yeah. That's so adorable. they That's go so to cute. school but it's in the world of microorganisms. I think even on the first page, if I remember right, there's a picture of the globe. I, sh- I should have a book in front of me to show you guys, but I don't look it up. There's <laughs> a thing called the internet. <laughs> so it opens on this picture of the globe. It's all in green and white, like neon green and white. And then it zooms in and zooms in and zooms in and zooms in. <laughs> keeps going until you get through the microscope to their little world to show that these things exist. These are real things. As part of our world, there are amoebas. There are these little guys not doing, not going to school, but they're real. 
And then Squish, when he gets distracted in class, he opens up his comic books and pretends that he is the character in the comic book named Super Amoeba. So there's the comic book within the graphic novel. Okay, which is what little kids would do anyway, because- Yes, yeah. These characters are super, super relatable, except that they're amoebas. Whenever a new character is introduced, there is a page dedicated to the characteristics of both the character and its species, if you will. So it'll have like little arrows pointing to the different parts of- the whatever it is saying what the different parts are called and they're really long they're the scientific words so now that my son is in sixth grade and going through science where he's learning more about amoebas he did have this introduction when he was in third grade in a very accessible way which is cool that is cool then at the end of each book there are instructions on how to draw one of the characters from the book and they're That's very fun. simple images so really really i mean an amoeba is easy to draw it is so all the characters are easy to draw and there's a little step by step uh if you've heard the names jennifer l holm and matthew holm before they wrote baby mouse which is oh. a super popular graphic novel yeah they wrote okay. baby mouse. nope i got nothing. they are not from what i understand baby mouse i've never read it baby mouse and squish are very different from each other yeah i could see that it's um, I've, I've seen the covers yeah. they're super super popular mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're they're like baby's first graphic novel basically yeah yeah so and baby mouse yeah. has they're really they look really cute they're so cute baby mouse has quite a few books in the series i don't think mm-hmm. squish did as well but eight books is nothing to sneeze at no right <laughs> especially no. not if you're an amoeba <laughs> right especially uh-huh. okay so thank you what if i'll be here favorite, all night one of my favorite parts of this book <laughs> is there's a bully at one point who keeps trying to eat Peggy. Rude. Because that's what the organism does. It eats amoebas. Okay. And so this bully is trying to eat Peggy. And at one point, I think it does. And Peggy's just being her annoying self now within this bully's weird green body. And then they save her. And at another point, Peggy starts growing like a sponge mold because she can. And kids can then learn about molds and how they grow. it's a weird little series but I love it so much I mean it's so cute I can see how much fun it is like it's I'm watching I'm watching you tell these stories and I can see all of the nostalgia of you doing it with your kid and why why you enjoyed it if I taught science I would have these even at a high school level I would have them in my classroom and I would use them as part of my lessons that's cute as a really good graphic to point to all the body parts and all of the characteristics of these organisms. That's cool. I like it. Very I, cool. I know I, I don't have kids, so I don't really have a good reason to be like, oh, yes, my child and I are reading this thing. But now I kind of want to read them. Well, come to Texas. You can borrow mine. I have all eight <laughs> well, of them. They're about. Sydney, mm, Sydney, why are you flying to Texas for the weekend? Right? I have to borrow a comic book from Annie. I, I want to say they're about. Le- I know they're less than a hundred pages. I want to say they're maybe 60 to 70 pages. So they're not very long. They're very accessible. That's really cool. And I love that it engages kids yeah. that might otherwise be reluctant learners yep. to learn more about science. All the things, all the things. So the second series that I chose is called Scythe by Neil Schusterman. I had to look up how to say that. I looked on YouTube. The whole series is called Art of a Scythe and it's three books 
Uh, the first so one a came, trilogy. Yes, it is a trilogy. It's actually going to be. There's a fourth book coming out, but it's I think just little side stories that they've compiled into a book. Mm. So kind of like they did with yours, where mm. the first little four novellas they pulled into one. I think they're doing that with a fourth book that's supposed okay. to come out this year. Uh, the first book was published in 2016, and then the last one came out in 2019, and it was a big deal when the toll came out. There were a lot of people waiting in lines, pre-ordering, waiting by their mailbox for that one to come out. And like cool. I said, the last book should be published later this year. Cool. So I've read a lot of Neil Schusterman's books. Uh, he's come to my local Barnes and Noble, I think twice, and he's coming again soon because I live in a pretty big metropolis. Lots of authors come. So I've had the opportunity to hear him speak a couple of times. And when he writes books, he asks the question and then writes the book to match the scenario of the answer to that question. So for this hmm. series, the question is what would happen if all disease and death were gone? But we still had to deal with overpopulation because if suddenly no one's dying, all the resources are being used up and we're running out of space. Another book that he wrote, the question was, what would happen if California ran out of water? How quickly would people turn on each other? Quickly. If there was no clean water. Yeah. It, uh, in that one, it was a little bit unbelievable how quickly they turned, but still be very realistic. I, I would I would bet that it would go relevant. real fast. Yeah, yeah, that one came out in 2019. Super relevant right now. Yeah. And then he yeah. wrote another book in 2020, I think, called Roxy. And it has something to do with drugs. Okay. I like Oxycontin type of drugs. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So very relevant. Mm-hmm. I think. So this is a uh, young adult. And again, it's dealing with what happens if all death, all disease. Everything is gone, but there's still overpopulation and the population needs to be controlled. So two young adults are chosen to train as scythes and they learn how to kill people, but they're supposed to do so without judgment or bias. A computer basically selects and says, you are, you would be a good person to take over the task of deciding who dies and who doesn't, because those oh. people are supposed to be non-judgmental, non-biased just doing their job. But of course, that's impossible for humanity because people are people. Mm -hmm. So there's corruption. People are people. Yeah, that's because people are statement. people. And so corruption comes into play. And the idea behind Scythe, like I said, it's very relevant. It's very believable. At some point, the way that we're going, more and more diseases will be gone and treatable. And just like now, people are living longer and longer again, the way we're going, we're going to probably keep on that path. So I can see how at some point in the future, this really could become a thing. And all of Neil Shusterman's books, the laws are the same as they are now, just with this added twist. So it's really easy to step into the worlds. Okay. So then the scythe has to fill their death quota for the year. And again, it's supposed to be done unbiased, but they also need to kill a certain percentage of people from different areas, racial backgrounds, and socioeconomic groups. So as to not show that nine people from California died last year, but only two died from New York. They have to right. keep it as equal as they can. And there are different scythes for different countries 
to make sure that they're killing within their own area. Yeah. So I read these as soon as they came out. Like as soon as these books came out, I read them. I think I even pre-ordered the last one. And then as soon as I finished it, a student checked it out and then it got lost because of 2020, but then it came back. Oh, it came home. It did. It came home. Mostly because it was signed. But I think this series, I think it will go away for a little bit, but I can see it coming back. I can see a lot of Neil Shusterman's books coming up again every couple of years because I think the ideas behind them will continue to be relevant. And for sure, people are always asking the what if questions. Those aren't going away. Right. What if this happens? What if this happens? And he really does a good job of playing out the answer to that and showing what could happen. So I was thinking about it just now because we don't. We don't talk about our books in advance. It's always, it always gets to be a surprise for all of us, not just our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) But when you were talking about it, you were talking about how he asks a question and then he writes the answer. And one Mm. of the books that is one of your favorite books, because you're more of a standalone person than a series person. (laughs) I am. But one of your favorite books is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Yes. Who, which is also an answer to a question. Hey, hey, yeah, I'm noticing right. a trend here. And I'm I'm just, I'm catching the pattern. And I'm wondering if that's something that you consciously or subconsciously chose, or if it even is something that you thought about before I brought it up. I've never really thought about that until you brought it up. But I think one of the reasons that I read is for hypotheses. Like you have the what ifs in your head? I think I do. And I think I like to read out the possible outcomes. I think I like to think about those. And reading is a good way to have the conversations and to expand my realm of possibility. Which is why you don't high fantasy. Which is why I don't do high fantasy because... There's no realm of possibility. There's no dragons, friends. I mean... Whether or not there were... What is a dinosaur? There aren't. But a different name for a dragon. A rose by any other name would still have claws. Like I said, whether or not there were, (laughs) there aren't right now. Okay. Okay. They're tiny. Like there's the Komodo dragon and there's monitors and there's. I mean, there's a pretty cute. All the things. But yeah, I think you're onto something there, Sydney. Okay. I appreciate you acknowledging that because I felt real smart when I thought of that. But I don't read true crime. No, you don't. Because that is never a possibility in my mind. (laughs) ever (laughs) i took a sip of my tea right as you said that and i had to hold it in so hard to not spit that out you did great water going away thank you having to go to mars and being stranded those are possibilities (laughs) but But not murder no not murder murder doesn't it's not real it doesn't exist no 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 no. not not where i live okay (laughs) in texas nope not in texas those happen other places in capital of the country nia i am so excited for you to talk about your book because you have really (laughs) sold us on one of these and i just heard about it again so i'm really excited would you like to do with us sorry i just i just saw what you just listed that's great i'm excited now too all right so excited (laughs) so the the first in my series i actually talked about this one last chapter because i was rereading them and it has quickly become one of my favorites ever and it's the murder bot diaries by martha wells the first book is called all systems red and it came out in 2017 it is science fiction the opening sentence is as a heartless killing machine i was a complete failure what a great feel that i really feel that it it's yeah so, so there are some perfect first sentences in books mm-hmm. and I think that that's one of them I think so too yeah 
So uh, I could gush about these all day. I am such a big fan of these. So there's currently six books out. The first four are novella length. So if you listen to them on audio, they're maybe three to four hours long. Um, but books five and six are full length novels. And the what it is with those first five is one big giant story arc. So they're little like they sit alone, but you do have to read them in order. And the first four set it up for that like grand finale in book five at least for this like big plot and then six kind of it's written like a noir book in space okay. with murder noir. Bots. space noir with murder yeah. robot space noir yes okay. so we're he's... sorry i just really wanted to say that in like a dark and twisty way i don't right. know if it came out dark and twisty but it felt dark and twisty it when did. i said it <laughs> i felt it and you i felt it clear in texas clear in texas <laughs> right on <laughs> i struggle because the murder bot is it and it's perfectly fine being it it's a robot it doesn't want a human humans have emotions he has you know it has emotions and he gets all grumpy about it it gets grumpy about it so but in my head murder bot is it is he because the narrator is very yeah so mm. i'm will try my best to keep with the proper pronouns for the murder bot but just know if I slip up, I'm, I'm sorry, murder bot. I got your pronouns wrong. Are you listening uh, to these in audiobook? I am. Okay. So, and there, I can see how audio. you would get confused then for mm-hmm. sure. There are some books that are just so good as audiobooks. Like the narrator just absolutely makes that book sing. Mm-hmm. That sometimes audiobook is the best way to go. Like, let's just be honest. I would agree. Sorry, Nia. Please continue. I no. want to know more. So basically, you have. This, you have this, he's a security and he's a sec unit and they get the contracted out, they get shipped as cargo and their whole job is to keep people safe. They're part of contracts for exploring different planets or doing different security things. And it's very judgmental of human security because human security always misses things and, <laughs> you know, but their whole composite is they are made primarily of machine but they also have cloned human parts that help keep that are part of their processor. So they have a lot more ability to function, but in order to keep them in control, they have a governor module. And if they do anything against the people who hold their contract or do anything that violates certain things, their governor module will actually fry their brain. Oh no. And hey, hang on. What does Murderbot look like? Murderbot looks like a person. That makes it like harder. A, like a generic person. Like think this Clone whole, Wars clone. Whole time I thought clone Wars I clone. just imagine Murderbot looked like Zingbot from Bring from Big Brother. That's what I saw. No, so Murderbot looks like a person. So, interesting. Um, yeah. Yep. And it can hide okay. in a regular population unless its weapons deploy out of its arms and then clearly it doesn't look like an augmented person anymore. It's right. it's clearly a, a weapon. But it decided that at one point in its past history, they if something goes wrong, they can erase their memories but not completely because they have those organic parts. And at right. some point, Murderbot did a mass murder. Oh, but it doesn't is... remember. He, yeah, it calls itself Murderbot. That's its like self the name is self-given name. The name is appropriate, but you don't realize how appropriate. Mm-hmm. But Murderbot was supposed was contracted to do this, right? You find out in later books what happened. Um, but right to prevent it from happening again, because it's not sure if something went weird and it killed everybody, or if mm-hmm. it was given an order. And it killed everybody. Oh, but it poor doesn't want to murder do it again. bot. 
yeah. that is a struggle to be dealing with so, every day. It's kind of got some ennui. It's kind of got some depression. It's kind of got some, well, I could do these things. So mm-hmm. I hacked it so I couldn't be forced to do it. And then I could have killed everybody anyway or not done my job. But then I've downloaded a bunch of media. And so it looks like it's standing there doing nothing when it's actually like watching soap operas and stuff in its head <laughs> instead. Oh, no. <laughs> and... It does its job very well. I feel like there's a but, butt. Yeah. Well, there but has to be for there to be, what, nine books? There yeah. has to be well, a there, butt in there somewhere. There's, yeah, there's currently six out. Seven is supposed to come out in 2024, and eight and nine are in the pipeline, but I don't know. Like, there's no dates attached to them yet, but they are listed as untitled and coming. Yeah, so it's it's a really fun series and a fun little bit of trivia. Martha Wells was a writer on Stargate. so That was popular in the 90s, early 2000s? Early- 90s and aughts yeah okay and there's a there's a show a serial they call them serials there's a serial that Murderbot gets into called world hoppers (laughs) and it critiques some of the outrageousness about it it likes shows that are very unrealistic oh that's so funny and so it really likes world hoppers it's not its favorite show but i'm like that's that's hilarious yeah i'll have to check that one out yeah, Murderbot is very sarcastic. He's a very, you know, it's a very snarky bastard. And it, it's lovely. I, I can, I get lost in these. They just make me happy because they, they do have like little mini happy endings at the end. And I'm a sucker for a happy ending. Um, I mean, who isn't really? Yeah. And for supposedly being, you know, a heartless killing machine, it has a pretty decent moral code of what it should or shouldn't do. And a really good, lo- like a really strong loyalty streak too. So yeah, that there's a reason this is on one of my favorite series. I've re-listened to them probably three or four times now. So because um, the first four books are novella length, is mm-hmm. it easy to get them from the library or not so much? Yeah, yeah? I, I've okay. been getting them exclusively from the library. I'm oh, looking perfect. to buy them, but again, there's a bunch of them, so I'm going to have to budget them out. Yeah. So but I just know sometimes so it's- fast. Sometimes it's harder to find novellas at a library. It is. And I, to be fair though, I also have seven different library cards. Yikes. So in seven different systems. So New I York play Public that library? a little bit. I don't have a New York one. Mm, they'll give it to anyone. Good they will. Know. I might add that one. Yep, anyone. The yeah, more you know. They're pretty much all Maryland because if you're a resident of the state, you can go into any county and get a oh. card here for free. Yeah. So, so that's my first series. My second one is actually a fantasy series, which is my other favorite genre. One of my other favorite genres. I'm also a true crime junkie, but, um, so this one's right. This one is, uh, the Tanith Fairport Adventures by Nathan Lowell. Lowell. And I know I've talked about Nathan Lowell before in previous chapters. You were talking about how he was like one of the originators. He was one of of the the, first patio book authors. Patio book, right? Uh Uh-huh. And that's where the first book in this series came out too, is he originally published the first book, Ravenwood, in 2010 on patio books, you know, ye olde self-published podcast site. But now the ebook and the recordings are actually on Audible. So it is a trilogy. It follows Tanith Fairport. She's a middle-aged older woman who's on a quest to find the last of the wise women to complete her 20 winter search for the lost lore of plants and herbs. And she's a pretty unlikely heroine because when you think about a fantasy heroine, you think about, you know, the teen or the younger woman, or, you know, you have this like- The early twenties, right? prime of their life. Could stand in as a champion. Right. And this, you know, she's just like, I have my staff and I 
you know, this is how I've lived on the road for 20 years. And she ended up on the road leaving an abusive marriage. Mm. So that's, this is what she did instead. And she just winters with some of these older women and picks up the lore and the things that they've learned. And she's got to find the last one, but the last one is a really far, you know, she's got to get on a boat and get across to a sea to go find this last woman. And that's the whole trilogy arc is her doing that. But this first book focuses on you get to know her, you get to know the world. And she gets a little sidetracked when she stops into this little hamlet and people don't know how to handle what sounds like a basic flu. Oh no. Yeah. But it gets even, you know, she ends up dealing with highwaymen and like, it's just a very unlikely heroine. She pulls on, there's kind of a, a combination of modern witchcraft in there as well. And more um, animism beliefs that are kind of pulled into what she does she does a, a very interesting call to the different directions, you know, the north, south, east, and west. But she's very, she also talks about, you know, every, you know, farmer is also armed. They all have pitchforks and brooms. And she's very good with her staff. Very good with her staff. Like the young Lotharios can't, like, she holds her ground. I like her. So, yeah. The more she's you talk wonderful. about her, the more I think she sounds fantastic. I'm just picturing my grandma. Like, I'm just, you know, just picturing this, like, woman who seems so loving and motherly and just would take you in and feed you and take whatever it is that you needed and hem it or sew it or something and then just absolutely wallop on someone if they (laughs) tried to mistreat you or misbehave like i just exactly i don't see my grandma i'm thinking i'm thinking of my little german grandma or nia Mm. maybe or yaya Mm-hmm. you know just one of those women who seem really docile until you meet them and then they're just feisty as hell mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so this i i've listened to so the author recorded the first one and oh, cool. i've listened to that one multiple times but he didn't get around to recording the second and the third on audio so i've read them on ebook but they are now on audible they actually just released this year on audible oh, with a new narrator and fun. i haven't had a chance to listen yet but i'm like okay i gotta get these books because i love getting lost in this one i re-listened to ravenwood probably eight or ten times wow because i love the story and i love the world and i love the characters and Wait, did you say ravenwood ravenwood yep i think i was given that book as a christmas gift i think i have it and i think i have oh. never read it so now I know what needs to go at the top of my TV. Yeah, there are there are a couple with the same title. So, but if it is Nathan Lowell's book, yes, you need to read it. It is delightful. Okay. It is. I will have to. I will yeah. have to go look. Nia, did you give that to Sydney? I didn't actually. Okay. Uh, a few years ago, my coworkers and I in the English department did a mystery book exchange. Mm. We all wrapped the book and oh, wrote cool like mm-hmm. a blind date with a book mm-hmm. as our Christmas gift exchange. And that's what you got. Yep. Yeah, that's it. You, you definitely read it. should read it. This one, yeah. Obviously, I need I, to. I love getting convinced me. So, so the those are my two series. Thank you for sharing your series with us, Nia. <laughs> those sound like we're gonna have to pick them up. Uh, so, Sydney, what are you reading now? What are you picking up besides the one that you were just told that you need to read that you already own? Besides that one, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize until right now, I just finished a book last night, and I'm in the middle. I had stopped what I was reading to read a book that I got very excited about, and I just finished it. So I have to finish what I started and had dropped, which we've already talked about. It's the Botanist Guide to Parties and Poisons. Oh yeah. We did I promised we did. I stopped it to read because I found out that Firefly has a book series that's based on the TV show. And so 
I got too excited to not pick that up. But I promised a coworker, the same coworker that was very excited about Sword of Truth. I promised him that I would read Project Hail Mary, which he absolutely loves. And Annie, I know you've talked about how much you love this book. I do love that book. So I promised him I would read it. And I promised another coworker who's also a friend. They're both friends. I just happen to work with them. I would that I would give her favorite book, Warbreaker, a chance. I have an irrational issue with Brandon Sanderson and I refuse to read any of his writings thus far. And I do say irrational. It's stupid. There's a it's a very stupid reason why I've never read any of his books. I've never read them either. But her daughter's name comes from Warbreaker. And it's her favorite book that he has ever written. And so I promised that I would give him a chance and read Warbreaker for her. That's so, very nice of you. I know. I'm so benevolent. <laughs> Maybe we'll all start reading Brandon Sanderson books now. Let's not get carried away. No. Maybe we'll all give them a try. I, I'll let you know. He put it goes. a lot of work into them. I I've heard he I've heard he's great. Mm-hmm. Isn't he the one that picked up Wheel of Time? The Robert Jordan series that yeah. never got finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Okay. Yep. And there's and our it. knowledge of Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. In a nutshell, that's all of it right there. <laughs> we have like four listeners that are just going, what? Yeah. What? No. Nope. Telling us stop talking. Nope. now. Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> Why do I even listen to these women? because we're delightful most of the time because we're broadening horizons that's why you're welcome for being delightful (laughs) Annie. what about you what are you reading so i had the opportunity to go to powell books this last weekend in portland Oregon. is so jealous right now i know i went for a funeral i will be jealous once i know what i'm missing but i haven't been yet so i don't so i went for my grandma's funeral and my grandpa passed a year and a half ago and then she passed away and now I don't have any family in Portland so I don't know when I'm going to be able to go back so I made sure road this trip. time to go uh that is a very long road trip it's longer so, for Nia and Nia nodded I would I mean she out. could swing by and pick me up <laughs> at an extra 40 hours we could all fly out we there you go so if, if you are unfamiliar with Powell books I went to the flagship store so it's three stories of bookstore over and what is it multiple city blocks no maybe it's really not it sounds a lot bigger than it actually is like the the blocks in portland are not very big so it's big it's multiple rooms it's like a museum but a bookstore it's huge oh yeah it's huge it's huge but i walked in thinking i wasn't gonna buy anything (laughs) (laughs) no i walked in saying i would buy one book for my daughter and i would buy myself a book my daughter got two books because she's gotten really into karen m mcmanus so i let her buy two and then i got four and i just had this overwhelming sense of just happiness being in that store it is the vibes in there are amazing because everyone wants to be reading and the coffee shop need to go there the books are not super expensive no they're they're not they're like amazon prices they have used books they have new books anyway it was an amazing place. I will have to go back. So I let my daughter help me pick out some books, which is how I ended upon this one. And it's very spooky. So I'm reading it to get ready for October. Ooh. Yeah. So I picked up The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. Ooh. It is supposed to be horror thriller YA. Okay. Well, at least I'm like it's not going to be like that super high octane, want to rip your face off kind of thing, right? Hopefully. No, maybe. but I'm on page 39 and it's already darker than I thought it was going to be. So I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yay, Halloween. And I've heard good things about it. So I'm going to keep going. Okay. I'm excited to hear about it. And then I'll read the next one 
from Powell Books and then the next one from Powell Books and then my fourth one and then I'll go back as I can. <laughs> All right, Nia, what are you reading? I just finished listening to Tinderbox, the Iroquois Theater Disaster in 1903 by Anthony P. Hatch. That sounds fantastic. Um, it oh. was really, really well done. So oh the Iroquois Theater was supposed to be, it was supposed to be the most grand theater the most grand theater, fireproof theater. So think, you know, Titanic level of unsinkable ship before the Titanic. That was this level of, we're going to build this amazing theater and it's going to be awesome. And, you know, it will be fireproof. And where was the theater? I think it was in Chicago. So I was actually just thinking about that, that I should have written that down. But yeah, it was supposed to be this big major innovative theater very modern very all this stuff and there was a huge fire it had only been open six weeks wow oh no and i mean it's not quite a maiden voyage but it's close yeah it was the day after christmas showing matinee showing and because of that it was a lot of children oh it was horrific absolutely horrific so it's talking about you know, what what went wrong with the building, where they cut corners where they weren't supposed to, how the fire started. If you go to the museum in, t- in the city, they actually have the light they suspected started this fire on display, but the theater is no longer there. It has been turned into something else now. There's wow. only a plaque that even marks that it was there at all because no one wants to talk about it because it was just one of those awful, awful things. And it was so cold, it took a while for the fire engines to get there. It talks about how the fire engines worked back then and like gets into the type of horses they used to pull them and the steam engines and how they were hooked up to these big boilers so that all they had to do was, you know, hook the horses up and the horses were so well trained. They'd go where they need to go. They drop the harnesses and go, which is really cool. I had no idea about that. That sounds fascinating. It was really good. It was, you listen to it and you go, this is really horrific. They don't have Mm -hmm. exact numbers for how many people died. They have estimates because they oversold the show. Oh, shoot. So, yeah. There's another reason. So if you think about it, when you go to the theater, you have your seat. Mm -hmm. They did standing room along one of the top of the decks. And then to keep people from sneaking in, they locked the doors. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. So no one can get out. But because of this, they actually came up those safety bars. When you go to leave a place and you have to push the bar to get out. So the door's locked on the outside, but you can get out. Actually, that innovation came from this disaster. So I'm going to read that. Yeah, it's on my list. That's happening. Yeah, Yeah, it was really good. I I listened to it on audio. The narrator was Matthew Jostel and he did a really nice job. The book was written really well. The book has actually been out for quite a while, but the audio just came out this year. Wow. So I'm going to have to read that one. A little heavier of a book, but really, really good. It was really good. I had no idea this had happened. History tends to be heavy mm -hmm. and that's okay. So yeah, and I'm pretty sure. sure it was Chicago because I was reading a series of books in Chicago and around that time all in a row unintentionally. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're on a Chicago kick. This and we've great. learned that you go in, you, you go in trends. Yeah, you have kicks. Mm-hmm. You do, you do. All right, friends, thanks for listening to this chapter of the book stack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought. And we'll see you next time when we discuss some of the best fantastical tales from our stacks. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at BookStackTrio and follow us at BookStackTrio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack. If you read a book from this stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website 
at bookstacktrio.com. A book series is never truly over. The story lives on even when the final page has been turned. Richard Denny.